Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. The next major person we're going to be looking at, you'll notice we've sort of been taking a few character studies of Nimrod and Abraham, Noah and his three sons, the rebuilding of the Tower of Babel and the call of Abraham. Now we want to, tonight to have a look at Lot as a character study and, uh, you know, get some very practical lessons for our life out of this. In uh, Genesis chapter 13 and verse 1, And Abraham went up out of Egypt. In verse 10 of the previous chapter, there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down into Egypt. God always uses direction, spiritual direction ge- uh, geographically to illustrate some truth. You never go up or you never go down to Jerusalem. You go up to Jerusalem spiritually. You go down to Jericho spiritually. And here he goes down to Egypt. Not only geographically but spiritually because that's where he picks up Hagar. And later on there's going to be a lot of problems if it wasn't for Hagar and Ishmael, we wouldn't have all the oil problems. That, oh, well, I shouldn't have said that. <coughs> so, uh, <laughs> Abraham went up out of Egypt. So, back to the will of God. He and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning Back to first love here, between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first, first love, first foundations, down in uh, Egypt, out of the will of God during time of famine. No word from God, no revelation from God, no theophany, just picking up Hagar is going to be a bit of a problem later on. And so he goes back to where his tent had been at the beginning, first principles back to the place of the altar where he'd, uh, which he had made there at the first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also went with Abraham and had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Parasite were, dwelt then in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Not lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Now, I'd like to uh, read a couple of other scriptures here and then uh, sort of weave them together in our teaching context tonight. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And uh, in our teaching tonight, I want to read several passages of scripture and uh, then we'll sort of weave them together in our teaching here. Luke chapter 17. And verse 28 through to 32, 33. Luke 17, verse 28 through to 33. 
Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And that day he which uh, shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. All right, let's go over to Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 6 through to 10. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through to 10. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that should after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the, the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness, and despise governments. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And one other passage here, the epistle of Jude, which is just before Revelation, epistle of Jude, and verse 7 and 8. Epistle of Jude, verse 7 and 8. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange or other flesh, uh, set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Now, when we come to the, the study of Lot, we have these major chapters that the Lord has given us, inspired. We have Genesis chapter 13 and 14, and Genesis chapter 18 and 19 in the Old Testament concerning Lot. Then we come to the passage we've read in Luke chapter 17 where Jesus goes back to the book of Genesis and he takes up this character study and says that what happened back there, that's what's going to happen in the day of my coming and he says to remember Lot's wife. So Luke chapter 17 verses 28 to 37. Then the apostle Peter, he takes it up and he goes back to what Jesus said and what Genesis said and he uh, refers us to Lot in chapter 2, verses 6 through to 10. And then, of course, the epistle of Jude, an allusion to Sodom and Gomorrah and what happened there in the judgment, uh, verse 7 in particular. So you'll see that we have four major passages of Scripture, particularly the chapters in Genesis, chapter in Luke by Jesus, cha uh, section in Peter, and section in Jude concerning Lot. Now, the, fir the first thing I want you to note here, we're going to go into Lot as a character study, but the first thing I want you to note in number one here is that Lot is a believer. But what sort of a believer is he? Now I want to, uh, I want to throw in this scripture and by the time we're through with our study, uh, we'll sort of bring it all together. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you needn't turn to this, this you can hold on to the Peter one I want to go back to. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 41 and I want to throw some things at you tonight 
and share together about the glories of the resurrection. Because as we look at some things, what we've been looking at last couple of weeks, with what Lanny took, what I took last week, what we're going to look at tonight, when these, these believers come up in the resurrection, where are they going to be placed? And as we look at this tonight, what practical lessons can we uh, receive from this? Because every one of us recognize that we are living in a sodomite age a sodomite condition. And here is a believer who's living in a sodomite condition, not himself, but in a sodomite city, Sodom and Gomorrah, and yet what sort of a believer is he? That's the challenge I want us to uh, receive tonight. So 1 Corinthians 15, verse 41 and 42, there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for one star differeth from another star in glory, then he interprets it. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Some saints are going to come up in the glory of the sun. What determines it? Some are going to come up in the glory of the moon. What determines it? Some are going to come up in the glory and the different glories of the star. And you're going to sing that little spiritual song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, How I Wonder What You Are. Up above the world so... <laughs> High like a diamond in the sky. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now, what determines the glories of the resurrections of the saints? The resurrection of the saints. I want to sort of look at that tonight, and I personally would like to come up in the, if I go by way of the undertaker instead of the uptaker. I hope I don't. I hope the uptaker gets me before the undertaker does. Amen. <laughs> but if I do, I want to come up in the glory of the sun. There's a woman in Revelation 12. She's clothed with the glory of the sun. She's standing on the moon that's turned to blood and she has a diadem of 12 stars. She has touched the full resurrection glory. That's what I'm talking about. All right, now, so the first thing, so that's just by way of introduction where we go. Now, I'd like you to turn back to 2 Peter chapter 2 and the first thing as we look at uh, in relation to Lot, we find that the scripture very clearly tells us that he was a believer but what sort of a believer? And what glory is he going to have in the resurrection? And who determines that glory? Okay, Second Peter, I want you to notice three or four words that are used here. Okay, we've already read it, but let's read it again and pick out these words. Verse uh, 6, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. So as we look at Sodom and Gomorrah back here, and Lot as a believer associated, uh, Peter says, what happened back here in Sodom and Gomorrah, twin cities, and as we've seen in the last uh, several weeks, uh, these cities were built by, by Nimrod, Babylon, and then through Cush and through the Canaanites, the ungodly line, and God has called Abraham, as we said last week, get out of, out of Babylon and look for a city whose builder and maker is God. We're going to see that Lot, he's a city dweller. He just is wrapped up in a city. And the steps that happen in his life here. So uh, Solomon and Gomorrah set forth as an example to those who should have to live ungodly. And here we have Lot, a believer. All right, it continues here. So, and delivered just Lot. So, Lot is a justified man. Justified. Uh, delivered just Lot. Verse 8, For that righteous man dwelling amongst them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul. 
and the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation and reserve the unjust to the day of judgment to be punished. So this becomes a sample of the day of judgment. And that's what Jesus said. The same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So what happened in the past is an example, a type, a shadow uh, of what's going to happen in the end of the age at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So note the three words that are picked out there. He's a just man, he's a righteous man, and he's vexing his righteous soul. So here the scripture clearly shows that Lot was a believer, but what sort of a believer? And as I said, where's he going to stand in the resurrection of the saints and with what glory and who's going to determine that glory? Now I want you to go back to Genesis and number two here, I'm just going to be very systematic here. I want you to go through seven steps in the life of Lot where we see him ending in failure as a believer. Now he doesn't lose his salvation, but he certainly loses something. Let's go through those seven brief steps here. Lot's seven downward steps. All right, so I'm just going to say number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven downward steps. Now you'll notice in the, in the first part of the chapter of Genesis 13, most of the steps are there from there and then going over to chapter 18 and 19. And remember, we're looking at a believer. So we're not looking at a sinner, we're looking at a believer. And what I'm saying here, as I said last week, there's... Sorry to say there are going to be lots and lots and lots of lots of lots. And lots and lots of lots of Mrs. Lots. And Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Well, I want to be in the company with Abraham. Don't you? I, I want to be with Abraham looking for a city whose builder and maker is God coming out of Babylon. I don't want to be with Lot living in Sodom and Gomorrah and seeing and hearing and having my righteous soul vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. And there was no excuse, no excuses, we'll see. So uh, here there's conflict between Lot and Abraham or the herdsmen and their herdsmen fighting over sheep and cattle. And so Abraham's beautiful attitude, he said, look, he said, we're brethren, the Canaanite in verse 7, you note, the Canaanite and the Parasite, uh, dwell then in the land and, and Abraham says this is no witness we're believers and this is no witness to the Canaanites and parasites you want to take the whole the whole lands before you if you want to take the left hand I'll go to the right if you want to take the right uh, I'll go to the left uh, Abraham was a man who was willing to leave his choice with God God had promised him a lot anyway, so he was happy to leave his choice with God. And that's a hard thing for all of us to do, to leave our choice with God. We want to make the choice. Right. So now we come to the first step in Lot's downward step as a believer. Number one, I'm just going to say number one, two, three, four, so forth here. Number one, Lot's eyes. Note verse 10, the first step. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was even as the garden of the Lord, like the garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt as thou comest to Zohar. Uh, if you go down to verse 14 by way of contrast, 
Verse 14, And the Lord said unto Abraham, After that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes. Now look at the contrast here. Lot lifted up his eyes. And he just looked at the whole thing. But the tragedy is, a uh, good New Testament scripture is 1 John chapter 2, 16, Lust of the eyes. He lifted up his eyes and he saw the whole land. Boy, it's just like the Garden of Eden. I mean, Abraham, poor old man, leaves me to make the choice and look at the thing. And he saw the whole plain of Jordan just like the Garden of Eden. And, uh, and so he was a man who lived by sight and not by faith. See, the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Here is a man who lifts up his eyes and the thing is, if he had have seen it not through human eyes, but seen it through God's eyes, this is what he would have seen. God saw it as fire and brimstone. He saw it as the plains of Jordan. And you know, that's, that's uh, the human nature, to look at things from the human point of view, but see it from the divine eyes, and we'll see the whole thing blown to smithereens, fire and brimstone. Yeah? And so God says, okay, lovers lifted up his eyes, you lift up your eyes. I'm telling you to lift up your eyes and see what I'm going to give you because you left my, your choice with me. And so the first thing was Lot's eyes, the lust of the eyes. Number two, Lot's choice. Verse 11. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. Lot's choice. As I said, Abraham, in contrast, left his choice with God. You choose whichever, I'm, I'm happy, I'll leave my choice with God. But now, Lot's eyes being lifted up, not seeing it as fire and brimstone. If he had have seen it from God's eyes, he would have seen fire and brimstone. But now he just sees it like the Garden of Eden. So on, on the basis of sight, he makes his choice. Step number three, Lot's journey. Now on the basis of sight and on the basis of choice, verse 11, and Lot journeyed east. Lot journeyed east. Now east is toward Babylon and east is toward Sodom and Gomorrah. So he now, with his eyes, he's looked at the wrong thing, he hasn't seen it from God's viewpoint, he's made his choice, an act of will now, and now he's journeying east toward the very thing that God in due time is going to destroy. Number four, the next thing we see is Lot's dwelling. In verse 12, uh, Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and what does he do? Pitched his tent toward Sodom. Oh, now what a contrast to this. Abraham has his tent and altar and calling on the name. Lot has a tent no mention of an altar, no mention of calling on the... He's a believer, but what sort of a believer? So he pitches his tent towards Sodom. Boy, he's going to end up in Sodom. He's going to end up in the very city that's going to be destroyed by fire and brimstone. Step by step, he lifts up his eyes, sees the whole thing, makes his choice. Now he's journeying, getting closer to the thing. Abraham's looking for a city who's building and making his God. Lot's looking for a city that's going to be blown sky high. Those who had vision. So number four, Lot's dwelling. He dwelled in the cities of Plain and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Uh, verse 13, But the men of Sodom were wicked 
and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And we have the list of their sins. Uh, I'm going to give you another scripture here. Exodus, I mean, I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 49. For those who are taking down scriptures, I'd like to read this one, just one verse. Along with the scriptures we've read in the second Peter and Jude and what Jesus said, the normal things of life, eating, drinking, building, planting, marrying and giving in marriage and life as usual and then going after strange flesh and fornication and and uh, sins of sodomy, homosexuality and lesbianism. Uh, along with that we have Ezekiel 16 which lists other sins of Sodom. Verse 49, it says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, we referred to this on, a, on the previous occasion, gay pride. Gay pride. Well, that's the first sin that's listed in Ezekiel 16 about Sodom, pride fullness of bread and abundance of idleness they were haughty and committed abomination before me therefore I took them away as so good so we have the sins and so here here's Sodom I mean here Lot is pitching his tent towards Sodom a wicked city a licentious city a Sodomite city as I've said on previous occasions how God names people after a city according to their sin. But Abraham's going to be named after the heavenly city. I'll write upon him the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem. So I want to have the name of that city upon my forehead and not the name of the city of Sodom. Amen? All right, number five. The next thing we see, Lot is dwelling in Sodom. So he's lifted up his eyes towards Sodom. He's made his choice. He's journeying towards Sodom. He's pitching his tent towards Sodom. Next thing we see, he's dwelling in Sodom. So he's just a pull on him. Oh, he's a believer. He's a righteous man. He's a just man. So in chapter 14 and verse 11 and 12, and this is very interesting, in chapter 14, uh, perhaps we better go to verse 1 and 2, then 11 and 12, it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shina, king of Babylon here, Arioch, king of Elasa, Chedorlaomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, these, that these four kings made war with five kings, Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Admar, and Shemeba, uh, uh, king of Zeboiim, and the king of Bela, which is Zor. All in battle, four kings against five, and so what happens in verse 11? They took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their victuals and went their way and they took Lot, Abraham's brother's son who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So here the man's living in Sodom and as the scripture says in Peter, vexing his soul with hearing and seeing. And there's no need for us to imagine too much of what he heard and what he saw. But what's he doing about it? Does he give a testimony? Does he rebuke them for their sin? Or he just hears it and vexes, and, uh, he vexes his soul, hearing and seeing the filthiness, their ungodly deeds and their ungodly words and their filthy speech and everything that uh, he says, vexing his soul. Think, oh God, isn't this terrible? Well, wh why aren't you out there with Abraham looking for a city? If you could just see the Sodom and Gomorrah through God's viewpoint, you wouldn't be there. But he is there as a believer. So he's dwelling in Sodom and 
he's captured by the king of Babylon. Isn't that interesting? Captured by the king of Babylon, these other kings. Here Abraham has come out of Babylon and he's forsaken the kings of Babylon, the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's been met by Melchizedek, king priest. But here Lot is captured by kings while Abraham meets another king, Melchizedek, king of righteousness and king of peace. You're under the wrong king, Lot. You're under the wrong king. You're in the wrong city. Abraham's looking for a city, and he's met the king of the city. What are you doing down there? You're a believer. Number six. So, uh, number six, uh, I don't know if this is a step, but it's probably the mercy of God and uh, Abraham. He certainly shows godly character here. In verse 13 to 16 of the same chapter, uh, there came one that had escaped and told Abraham the Hebrew. Uh, make a note of that in your mind. Abraham was not a Jew. Neither was Isaac or Jacob. They were not Jews. They were Hebrews. And he told Abraham the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite brother of Eschol and brother of Ana, and these were confederate with Abraham. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he said, well, serve him jolly well right. That'll teach him to argue with my herdsmen. <laughs> no, what a, what, a, what a fatherly spirit he has. He, he armed his trained servants. He led forth his instructed servants, born in his own house, 318. That's a pretty big household, isn't it, to be running? And it's quite evident that they were a godly household because God commends Abraham later on that he'll command his household. So you think of the witness Abraham was. 318 servants in his own house. He'd been given them the, go the gospel and the revelation of the true God and he's just got such a united household. And what sort of a witness have you got, Lot? Even your own sons-in-law don't believe you. When you do tell them the place is going to be blown sky high and blown to smithereens, they just laugh at you. Oh, but what a contrast in Abraham's household. So he divided and he pursued them unto Dan and he divided himself against them. He and his servants by night smote them. That's pretty good. Abraham and 318 servants fixing up all those kings. How many think God might have helped him there? <laughs> and he brought back in verse 16, he brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods and the women also and the people. So number six here, I've got Lot's deliverance from these kings, from the king of Babylon and the other associate kings uh, as a prisoner of war. He's taken captive, he's a prisoner of war. And Abraham in uh, good grace rescues him. Well now, step number seven, you would think after living in Sodom and Gomorrah and, seeing, and hearing all the filth there and vexing his soul with all the Sodomites going on there uh, and, and now being captured by these other kings, you would have think he would have come up to Abraham and said, Oh, listen, uh, Abraham, I really appreciate you rescuing me from that city. It's a wicked city. I'm not going to go back in that thing. It, it's just really terrible. And Abraham could have said, Yes, Lot, I'd like to give you a vision. God's given me a vision of a city. But what do you see? You see, you hear the believer, he goes right back into the thing. And so the next revelation we have of Lot is in chapters 18 and 19, and I'd like you to go over. 18 and 19. I will just have to paraphrase a little bit. In chapter 18, 
uh, Abraham, or the Lord appears to Abraham, and he, he tells him he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, verse 20. And the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is, is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I'll go down now and see whether they've done all together according to the cry of it, which has come up before, um, unto me, and if not, I'll know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Now, the angels don't hear at the start go to Lot and say, listen here, Lot, the place is going to be blown sky high. Get out of it. They, they appear to a man who is out of the city, who has an altar and a tent and is calling on the name and is looking for a city, is built and maker, is God. He's left Babylon, he's looking for a city. He, he, the Lord doesn't appear to this believer. Backslidden, believer. And so Abraham stood before the Lord. He moves now into intercessory ministry. And it's very interesting without reading the whole chapter because we've got a lot to cover in our time here. You'll notice all his prayers of intercession go through the number five. The first thing he says, Lord, if there's 50 righteous in the city, will you spare those cities? And the Lord said, okay, I will. Then he drops down five and he says, look, Lord, I, 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 I've taken it on me to speak and make intercession here, but say if there's only 45, say the five short. Well, I, I'll let it go for 45. Well, say if there's only 40. The Lord said, well, I'll spare the city for 40. Man, that's pretty heavy intercession, isn't it? That God was willing to spare a whole Sodomite situation if there were 40 righteous there. And then he drops down to 30. He said, well, Lord, I'm going to drop down to 10 this time, not 5. Say if there's only 30. The Lord said, I'll spare it for, for 30. Then he says, could I drop down another 10? Well, say there's only 20. And then he drops down to 10. And he doesn't go be a bit below that for a reason. Now, you'll notice here, we've got all multiples of 5. 10 by 5, 9 by 5, 8 by 5. Oh, he, 6 by 5. Uh, 4 by 5. I've got to go back to school again here. 2 by 5. What numbers does he miss out? He misses 7 and 3. Uh, and 1. Uh, what, what is it? Yeah, um, 5 5. Yes, that's right. Uh, 7, 5, and 3. Thank you. That's the numbers I was after. Um, now, just a thought, why couldn't he go beyond 10 or below 10? Because when you work it out, this is what it would be if he ever dropped below that. You've got uh, Mr. and Mrs. Lot, let's put them. Mr. and Mrs. Lot, and then following through the chapters, you've got Lot's daughters, it seems at least two daughters, and uh, he ends up in incest with them. What a, what a glorious believer. Glory of the sun. And then uh, it seems as if, if he had two sons-in-law. 
So there's six there at least. Possibility there was two others there. But boy, if I drop down to five, some of them's going to miss out. Someone's going to be burnt by fire and brimstone. I don't think I'd better go beyond uh, below ten. Maybe these might be present. Who knows? So uh, there's at least six there, possibly eight, I think. But he couldn't go beneath that. And so the Lord said, okay, so in verse 33, and the Lord went his way. As soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. Now, in chapter 18, verse 1 and 2, you'll find three men appeared to the Lord, and these three men, as we've had in basic doctrine, are really a revelation of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, uh, now the change in chapter 19, and there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot, where is he? In the gate of Sodom. Business as usual. Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, where the business is conducted. So there he is, just conducting business. You'd think he would have learned his lesson. He doesn't realize that Abraham is out there making intercession for him and his family. What are you doing about life? Are you praying? Oh, I just think it's terrible. This is a wicked city. I just, my soul's been vexed day, hearing and seeing all the filth and care. But, just, you know, business is business. You've got to... And so uh, we see how the angels, may I say the Spirit and the Word, came and told them to get going. And then we see how the men of Sodom, they tried to become immorally involved, going after strange flesh. And so um, they're going to break down the door, and look what happened in verse 11, verse 10 and 11. But the men put their forth, and, and so this is what blows me out the tub with this guy. Uh, the, the, the men of the city want to... Uh, become immorally involved with these angels, thinking they're men. And this fellow says, oh, don't do that, they're visitors in my house. And in verse 8, he's willing to surrender his two daughters. Now, what sort of a believer is he? What would you think if Brother Iverson was willing to surrender two of his daughters to Sodomites? Or any of us here? Glorious believer. One glory of the sun. Hmm. Believer. Willing to sacrifice his own two daughters to an immoral, filthy crowd. So, in verse 10, the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to the door. And notice in verse 11, they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness both small and great. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be. They were smitten with blindness and they wearied themselves to find the door. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? In the days of Noah, there was a door and it was shut. In the days of Lot, there's a door and it was shut. And they wearied themselves to find the door because sodomy brings spiritual blindness if it's not repented of. 
And what happened in that generation? Because you see, there's a reverse mentality today because of the sodomites. Uh, reverse mentality, they put good for evil and evil for good. And sinfulness and lust is love. See? There's a blindness. And they weary themselves to find the door. Remember Lot's wife? As it was in the days of Lot. So the angel said, you better get going. We're going to destroy this city. We will destroy it. And uh, verse 14, he tries to get through to his sons-in-laws, which married his daughters. That's why, see, we've got sons-in-laws and daughters, plus those other two daughters, it seems to be. So, so get out of this place. The Lord's going to destroy the city. But what's the response? He seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. So no testimony. And so the angels in the morning said, come on, you got to get going. The place is going to blow sky high. And verse 16, and while he lingered, you know, if, if two angels come to me and said, Portland's going to be blown up with fire and brimstone, I'd be off to Australia tomorrow. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd leave, wouldn't you? I'd go somewhere, Timbuktu or, you know. But while he lingered, oh, I know it's a stinking city, but business, my business, my business. He lingered. The men laid hold upon his hand and grabbed him upon the hand of his wife and two doors and, and, and said, get going, and they brought him out the city. And so now I want you to notice the instruction here. And it came to pass, verse 17, when they had brought them forth aboard that he said, escape for thy life, number one. Number two, don't look behind you. And number three, don't stay in the plane. And number four, get to the mountain. And the last day is the mountain. Well, I get to a mountain, see? And Lot said, oh, not so, my Lord. If I found grace in thy sight and you've given me mercy, you've saved my life, I, I can't go to the mountain, something will get me. And listen to this. I was going to say the stupid guy, but I won't say it. Verse 20. <laughs> Behold, now this city is near to flee to, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape it. Is it not a little one? Oh, he's a glorious believer, this. Isn't he? A just man, a righteous man. Oh, he can't get away from the city. I know these cities are going to be, but, but there's a little city. Oh, it's just a little ducky one. Couldn't I just duck in here? I promise. I, the mountain, I know you've told me to go to the mountain. Well, God always calls us to go to the mountain. Not to some little city. Oh, and the angel said, okay. He says, I've accepted you concerning this thing. Glorious believer you are. I will not overthrow this city. And so he said, I can't do anything. Now listen to verse 24. This is peculiar. Then the Lord, I said, these three angels were a revelation of the Lord, a theophany, of the Godhead. Then the Lord rained upon Solomon and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire, from the Lord out of heaven. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit on my right hand. He's the same thing. The Lord, and they said, we have been sent to destroy the city. The Lord rained fire and brimstone from the Lord. So Abraham had been standing before the Lord, the Father, and here's the word and the Spirit. So always used in judgment. And so he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants, and everything. But, 
And look at verse 26, how sad. A believer. But his wife looked back from behind him. Oh, so here's Lot here, and how far behind is Mrs. Lot? She's not keeping up with her husband. There's something, I mean, it's bad enough for him, but, oh, hubby, let's get out of this. We've got to move with God. We should be up where Abraham is. We should have the same vision. But she looked back from behind him. So he's here, and she's behind him. Looks back, her heart's in the thing. And she turns to a pill of salt. If the salt has lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It's good for nothing. Here's an example of a believer. Ye are the salt of the earth. Believers, not sinners. Stable as salt. Judgment. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and the whole thing was up in smoke. When the smoke was blown away, Abraham was there. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which Lot dwelt. And then we had the tragic end of that chapter where Lot ends up in incest with his own two daughters. A believer. A believer. Let's go through quickly some things here. You can take them down as far as you can if you want to. I want you to, some of the silences of Scripture, hermeneutics and people say, you must be silent where the Scripture is silent. Uh, that, that sounds very hermeneutical and very spiritual, but it's not. Let's look at the silences of Scripture, because sometimes the silences of Scripture speak louder than words. For instance, listen to some of the lacks in Lot's life. There is never a mention of an altar. No mention of an altar. All he mentions a tent, but he pitched his tent towards Sodom and he ends up in the city. No mention of altar. Number two, I'm just going one, two, three, four, five. No mention of altar. Number two, no mention of him calling on the name of the Lord. Law is believer, but no altar. No mention calling on the name of the Lord. Number three, no vision of the city of God. He just seemed to tag along with Abraham. And as I said, there's, in every church there are lots and lots and lots and lots of lots who just tag along in somebody else's vision. But they've got no vision. So uh, no, no vision of the city of God. The only vision of the city he's got is this little Solomon Gomorrah. And this little city isn't a nice, nice little ducky city. Couldn't I go in here? Number four, there's no mention of meeting Melchizedek. Where was he when Melchizedek was around? Oh, he's bound up with the kings of uh, Babylon and these other kings. While Abraham's busy having fellowship with Melchizedek, that king. Number five, there's no mention of communion. When Melchizedek was giving out the communion, where's Lot? A glorious believer. No mention of communion, the bread one. Uh, no mention of, uh, of Lot ever giving tithes. Of course, you know, uh, Melchizedek was there to receive the tithes and Lot seemed to miss that meeting. How many know there's lots and lots of Lot type of believers today in the church? See what I'm saying? 
One glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, so is the resurrection of the dead. You see, I'm sorry to say these things, but we're getting down where you can't play church much longer, I don't think. There's so much teaching in the church today. It doesn't matter, once you say glory, hallelujah, we'll all go up in the sky and we're all going to meet Jesus and we'll all have the same glory and we'll all live happily ever after. You see, that is a deception. And so Christians, once in grace, always in grace, doesn't matter if I live in disgrace, I'll be up and we all just be around in heaven, we're going to be loving Jesus. But once you see, and I very seldom touch on these things, but once you see that there's going to be 30, 60, 100 fold and the different companies of believers, oh, they'll get to heaven. But once you see the different companies of the believers and the different rewards, then it's going to give you motivation to be an Abraham, a 100% man for God, sold out. And when we stand, as God said to Daniel, you'll stand in your lot in the end of the days. All the Christians are going to stand in their different lots In the judgment seat, not the great white throne judgment, that's for sinners, but for the beamer seat. They'll all be in their different lots, different rewards. And God doesn't determine that, we do. So he ends up in that. So the mention of giving tithes, no testimony in the city, no rebuking of sin, but a powerless testimony to his sons-in-law. I want you to turn over quickly here to couple of other things before our time's almost gone. Big subject this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 to me is a very, very challenging. And these are things that have challenged me over the years just to, to keep 100% for the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 3 Something that happens at the second coming of Jesus Christ, but uh, Lot is a real example of this, we could say. 1 Corinthians 3 and uh, verse uh, 11 will take. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation wood, uh, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay and stubble, uh, one is burnable, one is endurable. Gold, silver, precious stones can go through the fire. Wood, hay, and stubble make a good little fire. Now listen to verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it. The same day that Lot went out of Sodom, the same day it rained fire and brimstone, the same day that Noah was taken out. In the day when the Son of Man shall be revealed. So they're coming a particular day of judgment particular day. So the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So wood, hay, stubble work, gold, silver, precious stones work, everything I've done, everything's going to go through the fire. When I stand before the Lord, as, as I said, this has always been a solemn challenge in my own life. When I stand before the Lord and Lord gets out the books of Kevin Connor's life and say, Lord, look at all the books I read and, and wrote in Bible Temple. Tabernacle of David, you should have read it. It was a real popular seller. <laughs> Tabernacle of Moses, Herm hermeneutics, interpreting script. That was powerful, Lord. You should have read it. 
It helps explain your Bible. You didn't make it clear, and I had to write a book on it. And I, I was dean at PBC. Oh, Lord, you, don't you know? I mean, you know, I went to a lot of countries. The world was waiting for me. And the Lord says, okay, bring all his works, all Kevin's works, says to the angels, strike the consuming fire, boom, and there's all my wood, hay, and stubble goes up in holy smoke. I mean, smoke. <laughs> and the Lord says to Kevin, bring of your works what's left, and say, Lord, all I've got is a heap of ashes. All my religious activities because what is gold, what is silver, what is precious stones? I better not get onto what that is. But what's my motive? Impress somebody? What's your motive? What's my motive? Who are we trying to impress? If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Now listen to verse 15. Now it's not talking about losing your salvation. Eh? Not here. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. What an example. Lot, righteous man, just man, righteous soul, saved so as by fire. What's he got to show? Nothing but ashes. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, what's she going to have to show? So when we stand before the Lord on that day and say, Hello, Lot, how are you? How did you survive Sodom and Gomorrah? Ah, Mrs. Lot, you were the salty one. Because hmm. this is not just a Bible story, this is fact. And so you think of the Christians, some are going to stand with Abraham and their Lot, some are going to stand with Lot. Some are going to stand with Mrs. Lot. Maybe if she made it. I don't know. Or are we all going to get the same glory, all the same rewards, all in heaven? Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what we do down here. Doesn't matter whether we follow the Lord in obedience to baptism. Doesn't matter if we receive the baptism of the Spirit. Doesn't matter if we live a holy life or unholy life. As long as we believe, as long as we're born again, hallelujah. Doesn't matter about the rest of the word of God obeying it, as long as we're born again. See what a deception that is? I'm not talking about heaven and hell issues. Not on this night. Remember Lot's wife. I want you to go over to one other thing and then our time's up. Let's go over to Luke chapter 17 and we'll finish on this. I'll, we'll look at this scripture and I'm going to give you a couple from the book of Revelation and then we're through. Uh, in Luke chapter 17, and we've covered this so far in our gems from Genesis, but they are suitable just to bring it together here in verse uh, 26, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Verse 28, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. The same day, the day that Noah entered the ark, the same day that Lot went out of 
Solomon Gomorrah, it rained brim fire and brimstone. Uh, Noah and Lot, both from Genesis, judgment time. The ones I've given you in Peter, also, spared not the old world, but saved Noah. And turning the cities of Solomon and Gomorrah, Noah and Solomon and Gomorrah and Lot, um, and, and, and so forth. This is what you see in the day of judgment. We'll finish here. Very interesting to go through. We can pull this part of Genesis together. God has two agents of judgment in Scripture. One is by water. One is by fire. The theme that runs all through the words. Water and fire. So as it was in the days of Noah, in the days of Noah, the same day he was taken into the ark, then seven days later the flood came, and so the flood judgment, the day of judgment came, and the whole world, the ungodly, were destroyed by water. There wasn't un one unsaved sinner left alive to enter a cleansed earth. But the godly were preserved miraculously in the ark. Judgment by water. Well, God said, I'll never do it again, but I'm going to do it by fire. So, as it was in the days of Noah, water, judgment, as it was in the days of Lot, both from Genesis now, and so in the days of Lot, the ungodly are destroyed, and godly, whatever he was, was preserved. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. 2 Peter chapter 3 now. 2 Peter chapter 3 says, Way back here, the earth standing in the water and out of the water, way back to Genesis 1 and Genesis here, the same heavens and earth are reserved, not under water now, but under fire, against the day of perdition of ungodly men. So when Jesus comes the second time in the day of the Son of Man, what's going to happen? The ungodly are going to be destroyed, ungodly destroyed by fire and stone, the godly preserved and taken to a cleansed earth. So you have the same pattern there. You just put down these scriptures. My wife is finished. That's time for me to quit. Revelation chapter 11, verse 8. Revelation 11, verse 8. Revelation 14, verses 8 to 11. In those scriptures, Sodom and Babylon are mentioned. Remember it, Sodom and Babylon in Revelation. And Revelation chapter 16 and verses 17 to 21, Babylon, earthly Jerusalem, and the cities of the nations. And when you put those scriptures together, Sodom, Babylon, earthly Jerusalem, and all the cities of the nations <coughs> are destroyed by fire, and brimstone. So I think there's enough practical lessons in that tonight, don't you? Not to be a lot believer. Because when he comes up in the resurrection, what sort of glory do you think he's going to have? Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.